0: Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Greg Peterson here, and welcome to the 300th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where three days a week, we work together educating and inspiring you to become part of your food revolution. Healthy food is something that everybody wants. Delicious and nutritious and right outside your own door is even better. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit iwanttogarden.com and you'll receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. Today on our podcast, we have our own Janice Norton, podcast producer extraordinaire that works very hard to bring you these awesome podcasts. She helps run our Urban Farm Fruit Tree program, all while jumpstarting her own urban farm. Janice earned her degree in sustainability from Arizona State University. Her previous experience in working classrooms, running youth programs, and Boy Scout council training and camp leadership were all community and education focused. However, she did not realize how much she could do with the local food system until her sustainable food and farms class, a class she took on a lark since she had no interest in growing food. Soon after that class, she became motivated to learn all she could about gardening and urban farming while using her organization and project management skills to help facilitate a couple of the urban farms larger events. From that point on, she has been an active part of the Urban Farm core team as the project manager of Arizona events, as well as the podcast producer. She is bringing her enthusiasm and cheerful attitude to her projects at the Urban Farm, especially the Urban Farm's Nurseries Fruit Tree Program and the Urban Farm Podcast, as well as partner projects like the Great American Seed Up and the Permaculture Design Course here in Phoenix. Welcome to the show today, Janice. Are you ready to rock? I hope so. Excellent. So I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at today?
1: Wow. Yes. Thank you. I totally did not expect myself to be here. I thought I was working my way into some sort of STEM field, maybe some organization field. Mm -hmm. And that class that I took. I took it because a good friend of mine was very interested in gardening.
0: That was a class that I taught, by the way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there was a persuasive professor up at the front who had a great attitude about life and a fabulous attitude about sustainability that helped me take it in chunks that I could accept. So, yeah, and um, I started working with you on some of the events that you had going, and things just kind of blossomed from there.
0: So you do a myriad of things around here. In fact, Jake Mace calls you our Jarvis. For those of you that know science fiction, you handle a lot of what goes on around the place here. So let's talk about the podcast first.
1: Okay. I love doing this. This has been an absolutely phenomenally surprising aspect of working at the farm.
0: You get to listen to every single one of them.
1: Yeah, I do. And I get to start off by talking to the guests beforehand. Mm, Oh, yes. Then, you know, so I get to know them ahead of time and I get to set up some of the details to make sure that everything's ready for the interview. Then when the interview itself is done, I get to listen to it to make sure that it's all clean. And uh, occasionally we've sent it back for editing to make sure it is nice and clean and clear. But I get all the details and right now I get to write up all the notes and I am phenomenally impressed by the guests that we've been having.
0: And you've done at least two hundred of these, right?
1: Um, probably pretty close to two hundred, yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you have one that stands out like that one?
1: One of the ladies that we had on in the past was talking about how to deal with insects and oh, how
0: to Susan Bonaventure, right?
1: That one was so wonderful because I'm trying to transition to not having any, well, I have, I've transitioned completely to not having any pesticides in my garden. And her information was phenomenal. Just great information there that gave me some new ways of looking at how to work in the garden. And you know what? There's been so many favorites. Every week I have a new favorite.
0: (laughs) How cool is that? So why should somebody be listening to this, the Urban Farm Podcast?
1: Honestly, I have been telling people about different podcasts because we've had conversations where they will ask a question. I need to know about this particular aspect of gardening, something Mm -hmm. about soil, something about plants, something about, there's just so many different things, you know, fruit trees, and there's answers. And when I can tell them, hey, we've got three or four different podcasts that you can listen to. All you need to do is go into our search engine, write this topic in, you know, information, and you're going to find a whole myriad of people talking about it. I will highlight some of our favorites when I'm talking to them because there's just so much information.
0: Yeah. Well, we, with 300 episodes, that's, call it 300 hours of content. That is yeah. an amazing amount of content. And one of the things that you've done on urbanfarmpodcast.com, is there's a search engine in the top right. And when they type in, call it permaculture, you've got a list of the permaculture podcasts that come up, right?
1: Correct. That became very evident as we were first starting that certain topics were becoming more common, but they weren't all the same. And I wanted to find a way to identify them differently. And so I started off, I think, with like five different topics, and now we're up to over twenty.
0: Cool, like what?
1: Well, we have permaculture gardening, garden-based education. I love that one. We have gardening basics. We have fruit trees. We have soil uh, topics. We have water harvesting. So underwater, we have business for those who are trying to do farm oh, yeah. business. Exactly. There's, <laughs> there's like twenty of them.
0: Nice. You also help us with other projects. Let's just start. Let's jump in and talk about the Great American Seed Up, greatamericanseedup.org. Tell us about that.
1: Oh, my God. When you first told me about what you were doing with that, I thought you were crazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I am.
1: (laughs) You definitely are. And what was happening was a big room of, seeds for people to choose from. Now from my perspective, I'm an organizer. I'm a process engineer. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know diddly about the different seeds, but I knew how to help get stuff organized in the right way. Yeah. So I took over the project that had been running and I just started making little changes here and there based on what was working. And this last one we had was phenomenal. Oh, yeah. We took Everything that we learned, and that was one of the things that we do, is we have our little powwow before and our little powwow afterward Mm -hmm. to talk about how to improve it. And we've been taking all those improvements and just keep adding it and making it better every year.
0: So for those of you that aren't familiar with the Great American Seed Up, go to greatamericanseedup.org. There's a video there, but here it is in a nutshell. We rent a 10,000-square-foot room, and it's a great big seed bazaar. And we have 70 different varieties of seeds that people can go in and bulk buy.
1: Yeah, people go in and they just take a scoop of the different seeds that they like. They put it in a little bag and they take it home and they store it for when they're going to use it. Basically, the goal of that was to make seed banks, a bunch of seed banks, thousands of seed banks in our community to help secure our resiliency.
0: My thought process behind it was what if there were 10,000 seed banks in people's freezers? And then the next thought process was, well, what if we make sure that they know what to do with them? So we offer education. We offer classes that day as well,
1: right? Well, for you, anything that you do, you add education. So that was one of the key points of why I like working with you. But yeah, we have the, this year we had a, a movie about seeds. And then we had the three different classes on seed saving, seed storing, and seed starting.
0: So I just want to do a shout out to everybody out there. Go to greatamericanseedup.org, check out the video. And if you want to do one of these in your community, we're ready to get them done there. So check it out and shoot us an email from greatamericanseedup.org and let's play there.
1: We want to try and help other communities do the same thing for themselves.
0: So the other thing that you do for us here at the Urban Farm is you help run our fruit tree program. It's a program, an education program that I've been doing here in the Valley for 18 years. So tell us about your excitement and involvement in that.
1: (laughs) My excitement? I love this program. I came from a home that had nothing growing on it at all that was edible. And after starting with you, I needed to buy a new house so I could start over and create my own orchard. What happens is we bring in orders and for pre-orders for fruit trees that we'll put together and get the best deal possible for these deal for these trees. When they come in, they come in for a deciduous trees; they're bare root and. I help supervise a team of people that will prune the trees, clean them up, get them ready, and then we organize them all in this yard. And we have 5,200 trees that are sitting in the lot, and we organize them so that people can come in with their orders and pick them up. And I've tried to streamline this so that people can come in, get what they want all the while you are there giving education and teaching them how to plant, teaching them how to care for their trees. I mean, cause that was the one thing that I saw that you were doing was making sure that their concept of growing a fruit tree in the desert gets thought of a little differently. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we definitely do not need rocks around the base of our trees, oh, which yeah. is very commonly seen around the valley. And that's one of our messages. You know, We want to help people grow their trees into successful fruit trees. And that's, that's awesome. I love being a part of this. I love the people that we work with. I Mm -hmm. love the people that come in. Our new tree owners are fabulous people with wonderful stories. It's inspiring to see these families come in and talk about what they're doing with their yard.
0: Cool. You can go to urbanfruittrees.org. And if you're in the low desert, Phoenix metropolitan area, Las Vegas, Tucson, Southern Arizona, Southern California, Southern Nevada. All of the concepts apply for you around how to plant your fruit trees. So you can find out how to do fruit trees for dry lands at that URL. So Janice, I want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you do for the podcast and the fruit tree program and the seed up and the permaculture design course and all that we do here in Phoenix. So thank you from Everybody, all our listeners out there, send send Janice an email at podcast at urbanfarm.org and thank her for what she does because she does an absolutely incredible job.
1: You know, I'd like to thank you too for letting me be a part of this. One of the concepts that we talked about in the permaculture design course is invisible structures, mm-hmm. and I know that that's what I am. I am part of the invisible structure that helps the urban farm work. I don't need to be invisible, but I'm definitely part of the structure that helps it work, So, and it's
0: one of the other things that we do here in Phoenix is a permaculture design course, which you did last year, You did a, the PDC here in Phoenix. And I always like to ask my PDC graduates to define permaculture for us. So <laughs> define a way.
1: Permaculture. This is the concept of working with nature for me. I love the idea that nature is basically already a, a system that works and I don't wanna fight it. So for me, being able to use the concepts and the systems that are already working to my own benefit, Mm -hmm. it works.
0: Yay. You brought up invisible structures. Tell people what that is.
1: Okay, so invisible structures, if you're looking at landscape concepts, invisible structures are all those things that you wouldn't normally see that have such an impact on the landscape that you're working with. That would be the wind, that would be the sound, that would be the outside elements of energy that comes to the land, That come the water services that come to the land. And there's so much more. Mm-hmm. There's even the legislature and the policy that affects what type of growing and what type of planting that can happen, happen on land. There's a lot, but all of it is something different than the plant itself that helps the land grow, succeed, establish, thrive, work together, protect it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When it comes to community programs, which I believe that's exactly what the urban farm is— that's the stuff that you don't see that is behind the scenes that helped make it work. You have you, Greg Peterson, mm-hmm. have pulled together a group of people that are great. You've got uh, well, you've got me, thank you, and you've got Taylor who's <laughs> been <Yep>. doing. <laughs> you've got Taylor who's been doing the newsletter and doing the courses through Urban Farm U. And you've, got, you've added a few new people this year with Cricket, who's helping do the newsletter and some more stuff. You've got Ryan, you've got Ray, you've got Kari. You've got, mm-hmm. you've got a list of people that are all helping the Urban Farm work.
0: They're buying into my crazy dream.
1: You do have a crazy dream. <laughs> I talk to you daily. I know how crazy you are. Oh, there
0: you go. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So let's talk about your Urban Farm.
1: <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, I started over. My husband and I, our kids grew up, and we downsized out of our house that we lived in very urban Glendale, Phoenix area. And we moved north to a new home, and we found out the hard way that when you're starting on ground that has been recently prepared for homes, you got a few challenges. (laughs) I actually wrote a little bit of a story on that. That's the mud bath salon on our website. But when I started planting my trees in the ground, one of the first things that you told me was to follow the Jake Mace method of throwing down the wood chips, which I believe he mm-hmm. got that idea from you. but We just call it that because he's done it epically. I threw down wood chips and the fabulous difference in my yard compared to my neighbors is evident every time it rains. It's uh-huh. evident every time the wind comes through and Phoenix has haboobs. So when our wind comes through, it's quite significant. And my yard is starting to thrive with life. The soil is growing. The soil is so rich. And I have to laugh my poor neighbors like, what's different? Why is your yard so different? The water stays there. The life stays there. Unfortunately, I do have something called caliche which I didn't know about when I first started digging. Mm -hmm. And that's a natural concrete-like layer of calcium buildup in the soil. And so we had to work around that. And so I'm elevating my yard to create an elevated orchard.
0: That's actually a pretty brilliant thing you've done there. What you've done is you've elevated the yard by using wood chips, right? Yeah. But how far did you elevate it?
1: Well, I keep adding wood chips, so what I've done is I've added a little bit of soil when I get it, because it's expensive to bring in that much soil, Mm -hmm. and I brought in the wood chips, and we keep adding and adding and adding. I think I'm going to end up hitting about two feet.
0: Wow. So the difference between your yard and the neighbor to your east, tell me about that.
1: (laughs) Okay, my neighbor to the east is a little elevated, and he's got a pool and grass and oleanders, but the water because he's a little bit elevated will run through the wall and right into my yard Mm -hmm. because he's not, he doesn't have the same permaculture concepts about trying to retain your water. His yard is very manicured and very clean, but the water and the oleander leaves, they fall into my yard. The yard to my West is a sweet couple who have no time to take care of their yard. And it is still bare desert.
0: It's not really even desert. It's just dirt because the when they built the house, they bulldozed the backyard,
1: right? That's true. That's true. There's uh, there's weeds growing. There's pioneer species growing. Mm-hmm. So eventually there might be some life happening there. But our two yards are at almost the same level. And when the rains come, we get a lot of rain off our roofs. And they all are uh, directed into our backyards. My yard and his yard will fill up with the same amount of water, But my water gets so absorbed into the soil and into the wood chips. And he ends up getting a huge puddle. Like the whole backyard is a lake puddle. And it stays there for days. We're talking like four, five, six days.
0: Mm -hmm. That's what the wood chips do for you. They really act as a great big sponge, build soil. You're building, long term, you're building an ecosystem in your backyard, right?
1: I already have it started. I love it. But the water that will stay in his yard for four, five, six days mm-hmm. will disappear in my yard within 15 minutes.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: In 15 minutes, all you see is just moist wood.
0: So during this process, it's it's been a process for you. And has there been any exciting discoveries that you've made? <laughs>
1: <laughs> what? Yes. One of the very first things that we did when we got there was we tried to plant some moringa trees Hmm. and I brought my son out to try and dig. And this was before the wood chips had had much of an effect on the yard, but I needed to plant them. I felt like I needed to save them. So my son is digging in the ground and this was so adorable because he's this 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid, and he's using this, this pickaxe that was probably 20 minutes old. And he's throwing his back into it and trying to dig this hole. (laughs) Our ground was so hard and so full of rocks that he broke the pickaxe.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: But then he ends up calling me out to show what he broke it on. And it was this boulder, probably the size of a turkey or bigger. And he pulls this. I told him he couldn't break it. I'm a former geology Uh miner. I really wanted to save this boulder to see what it was because my family laughs at me on that. We pull this thing out and this big, huge rock the size of a turkey had a divot in it. I think it was like one of the early, you know, cultures that used to live here might have used it because we're next to a river for like maybe doing some corn or something. I mean, I'm just like, no, you can't break my rock.
0: Wow. I think they call those matates,
1: don't they? That sounds about right. I'm not going to claim to know that. Yeah. So I have that rock is now part of my culture of my yard. But my, my kids don't want to dig anymore because they know I won't let them break the rocks.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> wow. So you've had quite the adventure the past three or four years with our team and with your urban farm.
1: Yes. Well, my goal is to get my urban farm ready because I have a brand new granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And I need her to grow up knowing what real food is. I didn't have that. I grew up in a very urban, very non safe food, I guess, because there was so much processed food in my diet growing up that I really need my granddaughter to have a better start than I did. And I've got a bunch of fruit trees ready to go in the ground. They're going to be going in this winter and I've got the ground ready. We're going to do an experiment showing the different types of ways that if you plant a bare root deciduous tree of the mm-hmm. same kind in the soil, we're going to do it one. We're going to follow your way a hundred percent. And the other one, we're going to do it native soil, and try and see what is going to be the best for it. But we're going to document it. We're both scientists. And we appreciate that.
0: Well, I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to share about a time that you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it.
1: Well, I'm a mom of three kids, and so I've had a, you know several different failures growing up. That question, even though I have prepped so many people to prepare for that question, I wasn't quite ready for it. But then I realized everything I've done in some way, shape or form has been some sort of a failure and I've overcome it. One of the things that I'm going to talk about was my mud bath salon. I dug holes for 12 trees with the help of some friends and we put our bare root fruit trees in, in just this February. And right as we were finishing putting them in, it started to rain. Even though I have practiced observation, I didn't realize how bad my soil was and these poor trees were drowning everybody had gone home it poured rain for like an hour like we normally have Mm -hmm. i go back outside and there's one hole we didn't get to and it's full of water and i'm watching this and i'm realizing that this water is not draining i gave it the half hour i gave it 45 minutes it hasn't moved an inch so I called my friends up, said, hey, we need to get my tree out of the yard. I have a very, very, very good friend who is my my gardening buddy. Mm-hmm. We pulled the trees out. We put them, my husband and I bought some pots, put the trees in some pots to save them. That water did not come out of that soil for five days. It didn't wow. go down at all. That was my failure.
0: I just want to throw this out. This is what we call a perk test in the business. A perk test, you want to dig your hole, stick a hose in it. And see how long it takes to drain out. If you're going to plant trees in that area, you know, it needs to drain out within three hours for sure. If it's taken any longer than that, you have a hard soil problem like you did. So what did? what was the upshot of all that?
1: Well, I sat down and thought about what I wanted. And I did two things. One, I decided to create an elevated orchard so that I brought better soil in higher that would disperse the water. The second thing is I wrote a story about it and put it, on our, put it on our website.
0: So we'll put that on the show notes page so that everybody out there can go read her story. So what do you consider your biggest success?
1: I think my biggest success was um, a few years back when I got out of my negative headspace. I was so hard on myself. and I was mm-hmm. so negative and I wasn't enjoying life and I wasn't just was not moving forward. And I started believing in myself. And I went back to school to get my degree. And that really helped me pull out of it. So my success was starting to believe in myself.
0: That's huge.
1: It really was. My husband had been telling me for a long time. I just wasn't listening to him.
0: Well, and you can ask me. I'll tell you because I I know it now. (laughs) Although sometimes you're frustrating, Jarvis. It's, uh, I mean, Janice.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And right back at you.
0: So what drives you?
1: Community and family and seeing them succeed. I mean, because my community is an extension of my family. Mm, So if if I see my community or my family succeeding in any way, that drives me.
0: Beautiful. So if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why?
1: That was a question that I had to think about. And I realized that one of the books that I really enjoyed because it had a concept of nature beyond what we're used to was The Chronicles of Narnia. I loved how everything had a purpose and you could listen to the lives of animals and plants in a different way. And that was by C.S. Lewis.
0: Mm -hmm. So what final piece of advice do you have for our listeners?
1: Okay. This one you're going to recognize. There are many different things that we learn about how to be better in sustainability or gardening or eating better or maybe just being a better member of the community. So I'm going to paraphrase a professor of mine um, because it can all be overwhelming if you attempt to do it all at once. So as you told me once, take a little bit of the process that you're trying to do and get better at it. Focus on that. And then when you're ready, you can move to the next thing. There's basically no rule that you have to do it all at the same time and be perfect all at the same time because that's a recipe for failure.
0: If you try and do too much at once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that hit me so hard in that class number one or two
0: mm-hmm. with you
1: mm-hmm. that it totally opened up my eyes to making it so that sustainability was something that I can accomplish.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's powerful.
1: It was. You have no idea. As a perfectionist, I was really struggling on how I was going to do everything that I was learning.
0: Well, cool. So how do you do everything you learned?
1: One step at a time.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Janice.
1: I love it, Greg. I really do.
0: So how can our listeners get a hold of you?
1: Well, my podcast at urbanfarm.org email is perfect. Or if you're interested in fruit trees, you can reach me at tree at urbanfarm.org. You can also find my stories that I'm having fun with urbanfarm.org. There'll be links.
0: So you can also find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward (laughs) slash (laughs) Jarvis, (laughs) J-A-R-V-I-S. I love it. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. Healthy food is something that everybody wants. Delicious and nutritious and right outside your own door is even better. Just text GARDEN to 44222 or visit iwanttogarden.com and you will receive our free webinar about the seven key factors you need to know to grow your own food. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small
1: things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams.